Hey everyone, Matt here. So I'm putting this little forward message into the beginning of this week's episode here in, uh, in post-production. I just wanted to take a quick moment and officially thank every one of you who has been listening to the show thus far. This marks the 11th episode of the show and we are now officially available and approved and, and, <laughs> and searchable on iTunes and Google Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. And, of course, you can go to the, straight to the source with our host, Podbean. They also have their app and everything, or even just through my website, gettingbiblical.com. Between all those different sources, the show is pretty much available just about anywhere, like 95% of where English-speaking podcasts are found, and that's super exciting. We're still working hard to learn and grow and improve and make the show as good as it can be, whatever that means for a show about drunken Bible stories. <laughs> but we just wanted to take a second and, again, thank you all for your love and support, both through you know five-star ratings on iTunes, which we are now officially rated five stars, at least right now, until more people find out and, and give me a bunch of one-star ratings and it drops down. I should probably take a picture of it because it'll never be this good again. But we're officially five-star rated on iTunes, so thank you for that. Thank you for all your kind words and, and likes on Facebook and, and retweets and reposts on Facebook and everything. It just means the world to us. And, and just in general, thanks, everyone, for not tweeting me and telling me that I'm going to hell because of what we're doing on this show. All, all of that, all that together. Thanks so much again to everyone. Love all of you guys, and I hope you are still enjoying the show, and I hope you continue to enjoy it in the future as we get better and cover more fantastic stories. So I won't keep you any longer. I'll let you get back to your show. So I'm going to fade out here in three, two, one. Hi, and welcome to Getting Biblical, the show where I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. I am Matt Smith, your host, and thank you for joining us today. So today we get to tell the exciting story of Noah's Ark. Of all the stories in the Bible, Noah's Ark still makes its mark as a strong pop culture reference, even in 2018. But even with the story that you think you know, even the depiction of a cute, chibi Noah surrounded by giraffes and elephants on your newborn niece or nephew's onesie, even with all that, there's still parts of this story they don't want you to know. Actually, no, that's just clickbait. <laughs> you know just about everything you need to know for the story. That's about it. But that's okay, because you've never heard it from me. Truth is, most of the story of Noah's Ark is pretty straightforward. However, there's some fun stuff in the beginning and some not-so-fun stuff afterwards. And that's what we're going to get into, and that's what we're going to talk about. But... Before we begin all that, let's talk about what I'm drinking. So, I've been trying hard to find very loose connections to what I'm drinking for each episode to the theme of the story, right? It all kind of... I wasn't doing it early on, but ever since the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego episode, I've had a big desire to try and correlate the two, if at all possible. And I'm not going to be great at it. I'm not going to be 100%. But for this episode, I try to get a very loosely connected theme. So I decided to drink, big surprise here, some whiskey. <laughs> okay, you might be thinking that I just wanted to drink whiskey because I always do. And you would absolutely be correct. But also because the word, you know, we're covering Noah's Ark and the word whiskey 
literally stems from the original Irish and Scottish Gaelic terms, which they stem from the Latin phrase aqua vitae, which means water of life. So whiskey and, and scotch and all that literally means water of life. What more appropriate drink could I have for a show talking about the earth being covered in the flood than, you know, water of life? So here we are drinking whiskey <laughs> yet again. So for this one, uh, I've decided to tap into a bottle that I've had for a little while now, and it is the Glenlivet Founders Reserve. Glenlivet 12 was the first bottle of scotch I ever bought for myself, like with intention. Like I went to the I went to the liquor store, went down the scotch aisle, looked for Glenlivet. I I actually to this day remember which liquor store I was at and what the the scenery was and and when I was when I was looking to try and find this bottle. So this was in my early 20s, I think. As a former beer and cranberry and vodka and gin and tonic type guy, I was introduced to Glenlivet 12 and I liked it so much the very next day I, I bought I had a, a friend got it for me at a bar and like hey try this and the next day I went out and bought a whole bottle for myself right I liked it that much I was that enamored with it I liked not only the complexity of what I was tasting so much more than just spiked cranberry juice right there, were, there was flavor happening there was, there was stuff you know that my that my taste buds could could dance with but also just a feeling of manliness right I liked that feeling feeling that I could drink and enjoy this product that lesser boys and, and men wouldn't or couldn't suffer through. And I, and I had it. I had the ability to do it. So, you know, all the machismo of it all. <laughs> Years later, I've come to realize that Glenn Levitt is actually one of the more, it's great, it's fantastic, but it's actually one of the more milder scotches. And I may not have, should have been so proud back in the day. But either way, it, it's always gonna have a special place in my heart. I'm always gonna remember buying that first bottle, and, and it's always it's always gonna rank up there for me. So, anyway, a few weeks back, I was at the, the liquor store and, and was walking through the aisle and was trying to figure out what I wanted to buy, and I stumbled upon this bottle, Glenlivet Founders Reserve, and it happened to be about four dollars cheaper or so than the regular Glenlivet 12 that I'm used to, and usually when bottles had the words founders and reserve on them they are more expensive than the baseline and they're usually of higher quality than the flagship bottles so seeing this as a reduced price and with those words on there i immediately grabbed it without another thought and it was by all accounts an impulse buy right therein lies the rub see i didn't do my research and their marketing team got the better of me <laughs> So the normal Glenlivet 12, which I cut my water of life teeth on all those years ago, they call it Glenlivet 12 because it's been aged for 12 years. It's in the name. This, the Founders Reserve, doesn't have an age associated with it. Usually a telltale sign of trouble, right? It, they're, they're putting out a product and not claiming how old it is or anything. Usually means it's much younger and usually much harsher. The more I looked into it, the more I realized that this, this Founders Reserve, isn't a higher level new release, as you would come to think from a, a name like that, but rather their plan is to release the, a new 
budget-friendly line and bump the 12, the number 12, up a tier ranking, right? So like 12 isn't their bottom, even though it's a great bottom. They want to have a new bottom and then put this one up higher on the ranking. So I get it. I understand. It's a, a little bit of a rebranding at work. And, you know, I understand what they're trying to do. I just wish I had known a little bit before I had impulse bought the bottle. Because I will be honest, I don't love it. I don't love it. All the things that I love about Glenlivet 12, I don't really find them here. It's a lot harsher than I'm than I'm used to. I mean, just imagine. I mean, a thing that's aged for 12 years versus a thing that isn't. You know, that's it's gonna be a little harsher. Like, you know, it's not gonna be as mellow. It's probably not bad if you were to mix it with something. If you like, you know, to put Coke or Pepsi or whatever products with your with your drinks, then it's probably it probably is fine for that. I don't do that personally, so I'm not a fan, but and it's not horrible. I definitely had worse. Don't get me wrong. It's not maybe I'll have an episode where I literally talk about my the things that I hate in the whiskey world, but it's not it's not that. It's just not I guess I just went in thinking that I should be really excited and happy that this is a new awesome flavor line and not and come to find out that it's actually more their new budget line and if you're familiar with 12 maybe if you want to grab it just to see obviously i would highly recommend doing that you know see for yourself don't ever take my word on it but if you've never had scotch before and especially if you've never had glenn levitt don't start with this one is my honest recommendation go with the 12 it's worth a few extra bucks that's that's the, the best line to start with so Anyway, but that's what I'm drinking tonight. Probably one of my least favorable reviews on the show uh, thus yet. But anyway, big fan of Glenn Levitt as a company. Love their 12. Not a huge fan of the new the new budget Founders Reserve. So, All right, let's talk about Noah. So last week we talked about the creation of the Earth and the universe and Adam and Eve and literally everything. And now we skip forward like nine generations from Adam. These are not short generations, mind you. It says Adam started having kids at 130 years old. And Noah was 500 years old before he had his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So uh, these guys, like they did not rush into anything as far as having children goes they took their sweet old time like if adam could wait 130 years and noah waited 500 years like mom you need to get off my back and like stop harassing me like i'm only in my 30s like i've got i've got a good 100 years to go before i need to start thinking about having children am i right <laughs> so here we are if you put all that together what what i say nine generations from adam we're like about a thousand to fifteen hundred years into the earth <laughs> existing based on the literal translation of the events of genesis so of note just a little tidbit adam's great 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 grandson was a man named methuselah who holds the record still does i think has the oldest person ever and reached a ripe old age of 969 years old before he passed. Adam himself made it to 930, and he was a guy that started out as an immortal being, <laughs> if you listen to last week's one. So Methuselah was rocking it at 969. Anyway, people were living much longer, and as you can imagine, 
each person was responsible for like a huge chunk of the percentage of the Earth's population. But here's the part that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. During all this time of mankind living a long time and having kids and spreading out into the world, they weren't alone. The Bible says that other, what it calls sons of God, also walked the earth. If you look at the translation from the original Hebrew, it calls them the fallen ones. So we have these quote-unquote fallen sons of God walking around the earth, and they found members of the human women beautiful and took them as their wives and created a side race of legendary half like angel half human men who it says became men of legend and of renown right these were possibly giant like massive men that were powerful and and commanding and and just future like kings of the earth right but there was also a lot of wickedness wickedness between these half angel half human people and wickedness in the in the 100% humans themselves and God looked at all the people everywhere and saw nothing but evil desires and violence in their hearts. And God was sorry and even repentant for ever having made mankind to begin with. God like literally was sad that he had done he had made people. He wanted to erase all life and start over and do it better next time. The universe's first mulligan. But there was one man one guy that it says found favor in God's eyes. One man that changed God's heart from destroying all life on the planet. That man was, of course, Noah. So after thinking about it for a while, God goes to Noah and says, Hey, guess what, Noah? I've been thinking a lot lately about something. It's kind of a big deal, but... I think I'm going to go ahead and just, I'm just going to go through it. I'm just going to pull the trigger. Just, we're going we're gonna to let it happen. YOLO, am I right? I'm going to go ahead and destroy everyone and everything on the planet. And Noah's like, uh, come again? <laughs> what, what, what now? What are, we, what are we doing? And God says, tell you what, I want you to build a boat. Make it out of gopher wood and make it about as big as a football field. No, twice as long as a football field. Two football fields in length, give or take. And make it three stories tall. Two football fields long and three stories tall. And make sure you put a roof on it. Don't worry about putting a sail on it. You're not actually going to go anywhere. You're just going to float a lot. But yeah, do that. And I'm going to uh, flood the earth and destroy everything else that breathes. <laughs> and Noah's like, oh, oh, okay, sure, I'll get right on that. And he says, but don't worry, but, but don't worry, God says, but God says, but don't worry, but don't worry. With you, Noah, I'm going to make a new covenant, Noah, a new promise. Bring your wife and your kids and your kids' wives, Noah. And bring bring two of every, of every animal on the planet, Noah, and Male and females, all the all the cattle, Noah, all the birds, everything, and bring and bring food, Noah too. Bring food, and I'm gonna start all over with you, Noah. Just you and me, Noah, and together we're gonna run around, Noah. We're gonna we're gonna do all kinds of wonderful things together, Noah. Just you and me. The outside world's our enemy, Noah. We're the only we're the only friends we got, Noah. It's just God and Noah. God and Noah forever and their adventures. 
Got it, Noah. <laughs> Forever, a hundred years, nine more seasons, Noah. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> paraphrase, of course. There's no Szechuan sauce here. So Noah sets out and he does everything that God tells him to do, and he he builds the ark. And when it's done, God says, "Okay, great. Today's the big day. Why don't you go ahead and get your family and go get in the boat?" And also, uh, one more thing. Remember how I said to bring two of every animal, one male and one female? Well, I decided that all the kosher animals, I want you to bring seven pairs of them. Seven males and seven females of them. The non-kosher animals, like, I don't really care about. Like, just one pair of them. They're not a high priority. Like, you know, if, if squirrels end up dying, like, who cares? But, but the kosher animals, we like them. We're going to bring seven of them. And also seven pairs of the birds, too, because we're going to need them uh, after the flood's over to help spread the seeds of the plants uh, to help repopulate the vegetation and stuff. So definitely, definitely bring on seven, seven of the birds, uh, seven pairs of the birds. We're going to need that. But so that's that's a new plan. That's a new plan. Just F FYI, bring you up to speed. Great. Thanks. Thanks so much. So, so and then a, a parade of animals just magically started walking forth. It just walked right up and into the ark. Noah didn't have to catch any of them, right? No, no pokeballs needed. They just, they just marched up in, walked into the ark. No big deal. That a, a, a miracle. Like, what's the, what's the term on like herding cats? Like, didn't even have to do that. They just walked on in. And it says the fountains of the deep burst open, and the sky as well. And, and the earth started to flood, and then it, and it rained for forty days and forty nights. And the rising sea levels covered everything, but the ark floated on top of the water. There was not a spot of land anywhere on the face of the earth that wasn't covered. Even the highest mountaintop was covered by two stories of water. That's how much water was on the earth. And the ark floated for the 40 days and the 40 nights that it rained, and everything that breathed air through their nostrils died. And even when the rain stopped, the earth was still covered. The earth stayed covered in water for 150 days. Like, like without even stopping. Just 40 days and 40 nights of pure rain and floods rising. And then it just stayed covered for 150 days. Six months it stayed that way. God really wanted to make sure that everything was dead. Like... Like, you think you're going to be cute by, like, staying afloat? Like, I'm sure, like, some douchebags out there, like, create, like, a... Should I call them? Well, yeah, they were douchebags. God wanted to kill them because they were wicked. I was going to say, like, bless their hearts. They're just trying to, like, stay alive. Like, they made, like, a little raft for themselves or something. But, like, no. God wanted to make sure there was nobody else that lived, right? Noah and his family were the only people. Like, like, sorry, Rose. Floating on that door isn't going to save you this time. <laughs> Hashtag Titanic. But... So then after that time, after the six months, God sent a wind across the earth to help dry up the water. And the water started to subside. They started to recede. And in the seventh month, the ark finally rested in the mountains of Ararat. And by the tenth month, the waters had lowered so much that they could see mountaintops peeking out in the distance. And after some time, Noah wanting to see how much the earth had been uncovered, how much they had receded, the waters had receded, he released a dove out into the sky, 
And the dove, unable to find any tree or earth or anything to sit on, got tired and returned back to the ship after a little while. So Noah knew the earth was still covered by water. A week later, he released another dove out. And she did return, as did the first one, but she returned with an olive leaf, letting Noah know that they were pretty darn close to being able to get off that stinking boat, right? It's like, like the dove brought back a branch, knowing that there was there was some trees out there at least. And a week later, he released the dove again, and this time the dove did not return because it found prime real estate available and claimed it for itself. So now, a full year later since it had started, God commanded Noah to leave the ark and release every animal into the world so, the, so that they all might multiply and refill the earth. And everyone was super happy to not be on that boat anymore. <laughs> like, like, I don't know about you, but like, like, I love going on cruises. They are awesome. I mean, they're kind of like the Walmart of vacations, you know, but whatever. Like, they're super fun. But even after like a week, I can't, like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to get off. I'm ready to go home and get back to my normal life and stuff. That's about all I can take. Like, a year of it, like, and there's not even a buffet or, or two in the afternoon trivia contest or whatever. <laughs> like, like, you're ready to get off that stinking boat, man. So I, I, I fully get it. So Noah gets off the ark and he immediately he builds an altar and takes one of every kosher animal and bird that he brought on the ship with him and and he made an offering to God and you know like praising him for keeping them safe and and everything and not destroying the world it was a thank you a thank you for not destroying the world offering and God declared that he would never again punish all of man Never again would he destroy the entire earth because of the wickedness in man's heart. Never again shall night and day cease, is what he says. And he promised both Noah and his sons that he would never again send the waters to destroy all life. And as an eternal reminder of this promise, God gave to them and to the rest of the future of humanity, he gave the rainbow in the sky as a sign of God's promise. So you can think of this story and this promise, God's promise to never destroy the the people and earth through water. You can think of this story every time you look up and see a rainbow after a storm or on a LGBT bumper sticker. <laughs> either either way. And that's the main story of Noah and the ark. That's how it kind of started and that was their that was their journey. Not a whole lot of details, just kind of like this happened. Are you ready for the juicy bits, though? Here's the after story that you may not have heard about. This is not the story that's on the cute infant onesies that we've mentioned before. So when they get off the ark, it's Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and also their wives, and maybe there were some kids too, I don't know, but none of those people are named. Noah and Shem, Ham, and Japheth, it says that from them come all the people of the earth. So while, yes, we all have an ancestry that dates back to Adam and Eve, right? As the Eve is the mother of all mankind or whatever they call it. You know, Adam is the father of mankind, I guess. Uh, also Noah. Noah is ultimately the great, 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 blah, 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 grandfather of every person on the planet. So anyway, so they all step out of the ark and set about rebuilding civilization. And Noah immediately starts gardening, right? 
And because he had the right priorities in his first crop of vegetables, he had a vineyard. <laughs> and from that vineyard, he made wine. And he got drunk. And from his drunkenness, like, I, mean, that's, I get it. You've been, you've been on a boat for a year with some animals. And it's been super stressful. And you're now off the boat and you just want to drink some. So you immediately go out and make, make a vineyard. And then you wait for that vineyard to grow and get the, the, the grapes. And then you make some wine and you wait for it to ferment or whatever. And you finally, your first bit of wine, you go a little bit too hard into it. Right? You go a little too hard in the paint. Which I get it, man. I get it. Now you, I've not gone that long without a drink since I was not able to drink like I've, I don't, it's a long ass time so I get it I get it man I feel for you so he had too much and he drank too much and he got drunk and he kind of went to sleep like sprawled out naked in his tent you know whatever it's not a good look but you know we've all been there <laughs> but while he was drunk and naked and sprawled out one of his sons Ham went in and saw his father's nakedness and I guess he came out and he laughed about it and he told his brothers and was like, hey, you'll never believe what I just saw. And I don't know. I don't know if he made fun of Noah's dick or what he did, but his two brothers didn't find it amusing. And they took a big sheet and they walked into Noah's tent backwards so they could lay the sheet on their naked dad without glimpsing at his uh, olive branch. <laughs> Much like I want to do every time I go into the men's locker room at the gym. Like, like, like I get it. Walking in backwards like, nope, not, not seeing anything today. Anyway. And in the morning, Noah woke up and he realized what had happened and that Ham had made fun of him for being drunk and naked. And Noah got really fucking mad. And, he, and Noah put out a curse. But in a weird turn of events, he didn't necessarily curse Ham but he cursed Ham's son, Canaan. He didn't even curse Ham. He didn't put a curse on his son, Ham. He just skipped a generation and started putting curses on his son, Canaan. So he's, I don't understand the logic, but he went straight to cursing the grandson, Canaan. So he put out a curse and a bunch of shit about how Canaan was forever going to be a servant to both the children of Shem and Japheth and they were never going to amount to anything and they're always going to be troublemakers and just like just spouted some some shit about about poor Canaan and it's this actually creates the lineage if you're not familiar that if, if you've ever went to Sunday school you might have heard about this group called the Canaanites one of the biggest like thorns in the side or whatever one of the biggest conflicts that the Israelites have ever had throughout history, you know, throughout the Bible. And this is where it all started, you know, right right here at the beginning where they were cursed because of of Ham seeing the as the Bible says, the nakedness of of his father Noah. That's where it all started. So you're gonna hear some stories in the future about the Canaanites. Always remember this story about Noah being naked. <laughs> that that visual image right there for you. In these generations of conflict, so, and that's it, and that's you know, and then you know, Noah lived uh, another 350 years after the flood, and uh, then he died. That's and that's the story of Noah, and how he he was a good guy and and saved all life on the planet, uh, and then he got drunk. So, 
It's the story of Noah. It's a quick story today. Not a whole lot, you know. It's it's it's, it's pretty pretty popular stories, but I'll let you go. I'll, I'll end it there. As always, thank you for listening. I am Matt Smith, and this was Getting Biblical. I hope you have a fantastic day. Cheers. <laughs>